0: guys welcome to the untamed and unashamed podcast this is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability compassion and openness that we can muster along with the help of guests from all walks of life we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts i'm jade bryce and i'm so happy that you're here Our guest today is a father, husband, ceremonialist, and facilitator of sacred masculinity circles. He was born in Taipei to a Taiwanese mother and a white American father who was an English teacher. He was five years old when his parents separated after moving to California to briefly live with his grandfather. When his father left and moved to Japan, he was left feeling abandoned. For most of his childhood, he was raised by a single mother, who struggled financially to support him and his two sisters, one who would eventually die by suicide. He lived a double life, the yearbook editor, and in all the AB classes while selling drugs to fuel and pay for his habit. He'd end up in jail, his life spiraling downwards. An atheist on the verge of taking his own life, he prayed to God, who spoke to him, and his spiritual awakening initially translated into him becoming a hermit for the next year, praying, meditating, and studying different world religions. He would rewrite the script of fatherhood in his lineage to give his young sons a new expression of masculinity, basking in the new glow of fatherhood and feeling inspired to be the best man he could be. He co-founded and birthed Sacred Sons, a healing space created for men to break through and free from the oppressive shackles of toxic masculinity, unhealed shadows, wounds, and more. This conscious collective carves a unique space for healthy masculine alchemy to emerge and rise into the ethers through transformational workshops and retreats. He has arrived at a place of harmony, an authentic connection to source, living a life of dedication to God and spiritual service. Please help me welcome Aper Bastiat to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Jade.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. Mm. I've been following you on social media for a long time, and following Sacred Sons, but not like putting it together.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and I've had a couple of people here, um, men's coaches, on the show that their lives were changed, and they were basically felt like kind of an, an initiation through Sacred Sons. Mm. So it's so awesome to have you on. Mm, thank it's you an for honor. The work that you do. Thank you. Um, I'd love to hear your story when it comes to to your own awakening. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Born out of the ashes, the phoenix shall rise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Going back, it, it began uh, really with this polarity, this un um, disjointed polarity between my mother and father, you know, my Mm. father being from the West, my mother being from the East, you know, and just really my father being disconnected from his emotions and my mother being overly immersed and ruled by her emotions Mm. that were um, distorted because of uh, deeply rooted traumas, both on both sides. Yeah. And so really that was the, you know, the breeding ground for a lot of pain and suffering uh, for a lot of chaos and confusion, and really not knowing who i who I am, who I was at the time uh, and and just that feeling of uh, not having any reason to live, you mm-hmm. know, because of all that pain and suffering. And so through all that pain and suffering, like so many other stories, you know, uh, yeah, it was through that pain and and confusion that uh, I was. I came, came face to face with, uh, self-destruction, you know, and it was ongoing for, for many years through just addiction, um, uh, of, of many things in my, and ultimately, uh, self-abuse because of that, you know, not monitoring self and what I really needed because I didn't have the internal resource, nor did I have, uh, the external support to really, uh, find my true self in a healthy way. And that space was not there for that. And it's just so um, through all the addictions, all the traumas, um, all the harming self and other and even amidst all the positive, the joys and the good things of life, of course, um, uh, came to that point where I was at rock bottom. uh, And I just didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to live anymore. And because of all the self hatred, and uh, just I broke trust with myself so many times on the way down. Uh, and I didn't have uh, any belief in a higher power or the sacred. I had no connection to it growing up mm-hmm. in an atheistic household. Just all those things culminated uh, in that moment where I was really faced with self destruction, uh, ending my own life. Uh, and in my worldview at the time, that was it. Yeah that was it
2: mm-hmm. You know,
1: i go then that's the end of existence there's yeah. no afterlife there's it just done
2: mm-hmm.
1: and really feeling the existential pain in that and just crying out really from that place of like if you're real god i need to know you know I, and i've told this story many times uh, but like to really go back to that that point of salvation. And everything that I do now and, and the way I live now is a reflection of my my deep gratitude to that salvation, to that transforming grace.
2: Yeah.
1: Where I felt absolutely worthless as a human being, as a man, a failure as a man. Um, and, and to be to be saved, you know, and, and for my prayer to be answered, for God to reveal itself to me with all its love, you know, filling my heart, opening my heart, my spiritual energetic heart, Mm -hmm. so I could really feel what unconditional love really felt like without the distortion of my trauma. Yeah, And it was just absolute peace and and tranquility and and belonging and and a deep sense of home that I I never felt.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Maybe glimpses of it uh, in, in the houses and families of my friends. It can be like some examples of like what whole families look like mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. together saying prayers it was just so at the time you know like wow people actually live like this
2: yeah
1: um but uh receive grace uh and in in that that's the complete toppling of my atheism just the complete destruction of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: like oh wow like god is real like there's an all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing
2: mm-hmm.
1: intelligence at the center of all life that is within us yeah. in all things and in that mm-hmm. what, what a revelation that was you know and so that was my awake that was my point of awakening yeah you know, uh, of god revealing itself through me through transformative mm-hmm. grace and i call it a mystical experience and i, I i'm sure to say non-substance induced you know because we can have big awakenings in plant medicines. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: I believe regardless of the carrier wave that takes us to that gnosis,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's all valuable. But for me, as uh, someone who used substances to try to escape life,
2: mm.
1: try to escape myself, and to to experience that just seemingly from thin air, you know, from,
2: yeah.
1: from nothingness came everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so that was my revelation that was my awakening you know and from then on it was like uh you know exploring the world religions like finding out like what has been spoken to and written about this god we hear yeah. so much about you know mm-hmm. sometimes it comes with so much baggage yeah you know and so yeah that really set me off on my journey of like self-discovery of healing of, of really exploring my consciousness and Having a whole new lens to see the world with mm-hmm. everything is now magical, everything is alive yeah. before everything was dead and mm-hmm. empty like mm-hmm. a reminder of myself without God, without connection to my heart and soul yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, <laughs> similar similar to my story as far as the mother and the father um, and the emotions and uh you know uh, there was a lot of addiction in my family and um a lot of abuse. And, uh, I left home, started leaving home at 10, started trying to commit suicide at 10 as well. And then when I was 15, I was, um, I had hitchhiked and greyhounded it all over Texas. I was currently in Dallas living in the back of a car and Mm -hmm. I realized I dropped out of school and I realized like, fuck, I am basically have already become my parents and I don't have anyone to love and I don't have anyone that loves me. And I remember I was just about to turn 16 and I remember thinking that same thought, like, what's the point of even going in, going on, uh, of going, moving on? Because really to me, depression is just a lack of hope in the future. And I had zero hope in my future. Um, the one thing that's not a parallel here from what you've shared is that uh, I had as early as, as I can remember I had this um, feeling that God was always my protector and always with me. And I had this deep, deep, like intimate, like reverence for Jesus. And I remember being kidnapped by my father when I was four and being in his car and I was terrified of him. And I remember thinking, if I just sing, Jesus loves me, I'll be okay. So I was saying Jesus loves me And sure enough, he got so annoyed that he he like took me back to a gas station and dropped me off there. And so to me, like at four years old, that to me that was like much safer. and I always just had this this thought that God always had some sort of plan. And so when I was 15 in the back of that car, I remember feeling so depressed and I remember telling God, if you'll just take this depression, I promise that I will use my life in service of you. I promise, and it was so interesting. It felt like a vacuum, like <laughs> sucked this like heaviness from me, and all of a sudden I just felt peace. And so I went back to San Antonio and enrolled in this youth homeless association, got involved in a church, um, and the depression sure surely came back for sure. Yeah. At one moment, as, was so as, pivotal. As, yeah, that moment was so pivotal. Um and uh I want to talk to you about a couple of things um when it comes to the father role and and uh, how you're rewriting that narrative for your yeah. lineage. I want to talk about sober masculinity. Um but because this is such a big piece of our story and I know you've studied many religions, um something that really stood out to me about your page is you're one of the few people that I follow that also post from the lost scrolls, not just, uh, you know, there's so many people that post from Buddhist teachings or from Christian teachings, but I don't ever see anyone posting from the lost scrolls. And I, I get so emotional when I see them. Cause it's almost like, it's almost like sometimes I feel like one of the few people that knows they exist or something, even though I know I'm not. And then when I see someone else, I'm like, Oh, it's true. Who- someone else knows. <laughs> and so um, I'd love to hear, what you learned from studying them and, and also what you've learned from the lost years of Jesus, because I feel a lot of people don't even think about those missing decades that weren't in there.
1: Yeah. I mean, what remains of the world of religions, I believe that this goes pretty much across the board mm-hmm. um, is really like kind of a it's a holding cell in some ways mm-hmm. for consciousness, mm-hmm. I believe, you know, and, and religion really is, a, it can be a closed door or an open door depending on your level of awareness and, and
2: mm-hmm. connection
1: to your heart ultimately. And there has to be a connection between the heart and, and the head. Um, because if we perceive from the mind and just take everything as is, you know, like, Oh, the, the Bible is all there is mm-hmm. uh, without Considering the fact that it was written by man, you know, it is the word of God. Some of it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: some of it's the word of man. Yeah, you know, uh, because even the the apostles, uh, they were not Jesus. They were not the one. They were not fully God realized yet. Yeah, Jesus was God incarnate mm-hmm. in a body, and and I do believe he had a mission and came to Earth to demonstrate and to help. People there in that time that had been bound by this, um, you know, what became an ar- it was archaic at the time, you know, it was no longer uh, supportive of the evolution of consciousness of the growth of souls towards God, it became um, a prison.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, I think religion is meant in, at, at, at its high, um, true uh, role in humanity is uh, an initiatory path to self revelation mm-hmm. to gnosis with, with God. Mm -hmm. Becoming and embodying that and that's why Yeshua talked about following in my footsteps and like even like I I am the way right Mm -hmm. and I am the way not Jesus from the human projection of him being a a man, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, but from the realization that Jesus was once in our shoes, you know, like he was a soul. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fully God realized yet. He's just at the final stage. Mm. He's now fully God realized, and he's coming back to Earth because I believe Jesus existed and exists in all times and places, the past, mm-hmm. present, the future, and on all realms of, of you can say, planets, right? Because these are different schoolrooms, I believe, mm-hmm. where consciousness is evolving, where souls are evolving, and so, you know, we found those lost scrolls not that long ago, yeah. you know, and. and and there's been a lot of, that's been removed from the Bible, like the apocryphal and, and many others, you know, mistranslated from, was it Aramaic to, mm-hmm. uh, to Greek, to, mm-hmm. you know, like just Latin, you know, there's, there's so, so many um, threads of translation mm-hmm. that things became distorted and where, you know, it wasn't able to be kept in its most pure form as direct mm-hmm. revelation from God. Um, a lot of it and -hmm. a lot of it is a lot Mm -hmm. of it
0: yeah and I like the two thoughts I have around that is like the way you articulated the bible it also makes me feel like to me like the Magdalene manuscript or the Gnostic um, text or think not Hans hundred books that those all feel also like the words of God you know because they were also written by man and we're always channeling you know Um, But I'm curious why do you have thoughts on on why the books were removed and lost?
1: Yeah, I I believe we as humanity will always receive the teachers that we need to evolve beyond our current state, Mm. you know, and so uh, Maybe in some ways that just the level of consciousness we are at collectively as humanity because everything happens in perfection in the highest perfection unfolding based on the confluence of our individual free will, mm-hmm. free will connected with the collective, right? As well as our karma, our individual karma at play and collective karma as a species, as a humanity, as a unified humanity on this earth uh, evolving upon Gaia and divine universal law, mm-hmm. which is supportive of our of our evolution. And so... Uh, they were removed by the contracting, from my, stand, my perspective, they were removed by the contracting force uh, of matter. You know, the contracting force, uh, you call it the satanic force, you know, mm-hmm. the contracting principle, the destruction, the, the thanatos, you know, it's, it's uh, the destructive principle that we have to reckon with and choose life to choose God. Mm-hmm. and we can choose we can choose less than god you know and yeah. so because humanity was at a point in our evolution where we were i mean we crucified god like mm-hmm. that that's the state of consciousness ultimately the collective was at yeah. right god came and if this was a really high vibe planet where we are like really evolved souls it would be we would be celebrating and worshiping it, like the people that were around jesus that saw Mm-hmm. But because of our primitivism and that contracting force in our in our you know how bound we are we were in separation, you know uh, we crucified God, and God showed us and that was also the mission right for Jesus mm-hmm. to walk that full path from showing man to god man
2: mm-hmm.
1: showing that we are more than this body and performing miracles and then ultimately loving humanity so much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That he would sacrifice his own life as the ultimate embodiment and representation of what God's unconditional love looks and feels like.
2: Yeah.
1: Like think of like just to really sit with that. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Have that level of love, to just be Mm -hmm. pouring out love to everybody and everything in the most perfect ways and to be crucified by the people that you love so much. to To be killed in a brutal way. And then to come back. And just like, you know, let it be known. Mm -hmm. Like God is, this is God's earth that we are all of God. And you can kill the body, but you cannot kill the spirit.
0: Yeah. I think that's part of what hurts me so much about the story being altered, like removing his beloved from the story. And even, Mm. the you know, there's been proof that he had two kids with Mary Magdalene, possibly even three. And the fact that his beloved was turned into what it was, what the story was in the Bible and her story completely removed. It like almost, it it like not only pains me as a woman, but it like pains me for him. Um, And I I don't know if it's because they were trying to, maybe if the story was that he had a lover, that he had sex, that he had children, that maybe he was too human, maybe, or or if it was just feeding the patriarchal, hierarchical um, agenda. I'm not sure, but I know that I, when I think about that, I get a, a really deep pain in mm. my solar plexus. So there's mm. something there that I'm, I'm digging into that I haven't uncovered yet.
1: Yeah, but I mean, ultimately,
0: it feels a lot like my own story.
1: You know, I think uh, it's your story as a woman,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and, and it's our story as humanity uh, mm-hmm. to devalue and debase and uh, to remove from the throne of life, the feminine, the divine feminine of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. and you look at the imbalances in the world uh, in the the power structures on earth in the leadership and and it's a clear reflection of the disconnection and the devalue the devalue devaluing force of mm-hmm. the unconscious masculine to control and subjugate the feminine
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then and so we reap what we sow
0: yeah and i think I talked about this in last week's episode, but like to think about how we used to to envision Jesus as blonde hair and blue eyes, white man. Right. And like it just it seems like just in this last decade, people are starting to open up to the fact that he's who's like so far from that. Right. So like, can we open up to the fact that there is the story of the divine feminine as well? Because it feels like people get so triggered by referring to God as female, as goddess, as goddess yeah right it seems like so triggering for 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 people at times but can we open up to the fact that like we were wrong about this because there was an agenda there right and then that it could possibly be happening here too um
1: yeah definitely
0: and i um you know i've spoken on how i've always had this love for jesus and i i um even in that love when i when i read um books like A Course in Miracles or the Bible, there's parts of it that feel so patriarchal and hi- hierarchical that like, and, and you brought up the, the scripture, I am the way. There's also no one gets to the father except through me. It doesn't feel to me. I am the way to me. I am means something different. It, it, I am is like, you almost kind of fill in the blank, but um, to me, the no one gets to the father through me. It, it doesn't feel to me like Jesus had that big of an ego Um, and I also don't feel that he was the only Christed being, um, but I can see how that feels blasphemous because we literally named him Jesus Christ. Right. Um, but I feel that there's so many Christed beatings and, and there are mm -hmm. people that I feel so drawn to that have Christ energy. You have to me, you have a very Christ Christed energy. Um, and so I'm curious what that scripture means to you.
1: Yeah, I believe that as humans, you know, we perceive everything and filter everything through our, our ego,
2: Hmm.
1: you know, through our humanness. Yeah. You know? And so when we see it as a human, there's, I am the way and there's no way to the father, but through me, Hmm. we see it from separation and from our humanness as Hmm. Jesus being outside of ourselves. Hmm. The, The deeper we go into God, the deeper we go into our own self revelation as god becoming and see it from that lens and really it's a it's a call forward deeper into who we are and who jesus and what this is and what is is what god is right and so from that standpoint perceiving it from the heart of what it really means Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and what is jesus an embodiment of love of god and so we can perceive it from the outer personality, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then that creates separation and we judge it. Yeah. You know, it's not exclusive to, it was for those people at that time.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: we're in the world of technology where everything is hyperconnected, right? On the, on the digital and informational level. But through direct gnosis, Jesus was an embodiment for the, those people at, in, in the earth, in that, that region that he was working in. Right. Primarily. And I and I personally believe that he traveled through the east and, and experienced, you know, the initiations and esoteric, mm-hmm. um, you know, strongholds still on the earth, you know, uh, and, and speaking to, you know, how there's been this fall, right? There's this fall that's happened. It's a fall in consciousness. And the Garden of Eden, to me, represents, you know, God, our, our union with God. And so that fall is like choosing ego, choosing separation with their own free will and falling, choosing. And there's different ways to look at that story. You know, the Garden of uh, Eden, and there's different ways. I struggle
0: with it too because it feels like this um, programming of like women will will entice you to sin. You know, there's like so much patriarchy and so many of the stories. But I also see that that's my projection of like my own wounding. And so it's it's exactly what you're saying that we see it through our own egoic lens
1: yeah yeah and so we are being called forward to see it from the eyes of our heart the eyes of yeah. god yeah and so yeah. when we do it, it's like oh of course yes christ is the way and there are many christed beings mm-hmm. there are yeah and that's only something you can know through your own experience of christ consciousness yeah it's the only way
0: yeah the um i i wrote down some i don't know where i got this from. <coughs> notes but gnosis um Because not everyone's familiar with that term. It breaks down to um, knowledge and wisdom. It's not something we can read about and then know. It's direct experience. It's knowledge we have acquired directly from our own experience. So gnosis cannot be taught. If I know something from within me, no one can disrupt that knowing. There's nothing anyone can say that could diminish that knowing. Um, And kenosis is a release of the ego and a rising of the soul. So I wanted to to read that real quick for those. We've said that a couple times so before we move into the archetype of the father um, i wanted to just break down a post that you made because um it just it brought up so much emotion for me and uh something you said there were a couple of things three little points i wanted to bring up about it so it says what does it mean to know, or you said knowing god beyond egoic delusion and misinformation so we kind of already covered that, what that means, but um, it's basically having that gnosis, that direct um, experience. But how I'm wondering how can, because I was that person, you know, and I was raised by that person. So how, how can someone begin to open up to maybe that they've received misinformation?
1: It's through the heart. Mm. It's through the heart. And, and, I mean that like literally, you know, not metaphorically, just specifically, it's through the spiritual heart, you know, because so so often we're in our head, we're perceiving our world from our eyes. So we're often here, just like our consciousness is activated here. We're receiving so much information through our eyes and the senses, but this Mm -hmm. is such a a massive receiver, right? And So we're here, then we're experiencing and perceiving life from separation in many ways mm-hmm. that's what we see like we're apart the illusion of separation is, is alive yeah. right but when we're in our heart and we literally move the point of our awareness down into our spiritual heart our energetic heart we can experience what is objectively more objectively of course if we have wounding and we have trauma in our hearts and in our body then it's distorted through a lens through a filter and so, ultimately this is about each individual having the open-mindedness and the humility to say, I'm not the end-all be-all. Mm. Like I'm here in this existence with so many others. I have my own small piece
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I need to be open. We need to be open. Like. To feel like the insignificance of the ego of our separation. It's really insignificant in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of things. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But in that realization and that ownership to say, I'm open. My heart is open. Let me experience this. I don't know how to experience it. You know, help me experience more. Just even that longing, that desire Mm -hmm. to know. The desire to know and as that like really heats up into like a a deep burning uh, that can blossom into direct gnosis that can blossom into revelation that Mm -hmm. can blossom into a deepening of communion with God with what is. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that each person is can only do for themselves in their own time. You know, I was in a point where people talked to me about God and I was judging the hell out of them, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing them as just stupid, like, Idiots. That's like how I perceived them. Like, oh yeah. my god, these people are deluded. They're, they're idiots. Yeah. They're imbeciles. They're like they, they, And then I was so disconnected. I couldn't yeah. even see that. And I, I was so sure. I was so sure, you know. And now I'm like, oh wow.
0: It's funny how we're always so sure, you know. <laughs> Um, and I, the ego, I think, is,
1: so, the ego is so sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. I see that. I, I tend to always be so sure in my life, but also that I tend to be an evangelist for whatever. So like, I would be an evangelist for plant medicine for a while. And I was an evangelist for sexual liberation. And now I'm in a, you know, like when I was in the church and I, I still consider myself in the church, but my church is like my everywhere. Goodness. Um, but when I was in this organized religion, um, that was called the government of 12, mm-hmm. um, Sounds, wow. Yeah, so basically like we were in someone's 12 disciples and then we would go find 12 disciples and then they would go find 12 disciples. And that's how we would do the Great Commission and save the world. However, the distorted part of that is that we were treating them as if we were their authority. Like mm-hmm. we were their God. They had to mm-hmm. hear from us. Um, mm-hmm. And that also like really for me, like hindered my relationship with my own intuition Um, because I married who they told me God had for me I didn't go to college because they said that that would take from the kingdom of God there were all these things where I was just really a shell of myself until um that that broke open
2: um, mm-hmm. it's
0: it's a, a long story how that broke open part of it is because I I had realized I found out about the child soldiers in Uganda and I wanted to get involved and they told me no because it would take from the kingdom of God and it like popped my bubble so so intensely because it was like that is the work of God like taking care of these orphans and these widows and what am I doing you know but
2: Mm -hmm. um,
0: I bring all that up because when I was in that church I was going door to door trying to save people Mm -hmm. and trying to tell them about God and I see that I was an evangelist and I was I had the savior complex and now I'm on the other side trying to save those people and convince them <laughs> that God is within them and not without. So I can see that the ego is still there and there's still this like shoulding and this agenda. Mm. And my teacher Layla Martin told me yesterday mm. what is it like to hold a portal without a should. And so that's something that I'm really mm. really working to embody as I mm. initiate the, this high priestess energy. Um divine. But, on both sides of it, there's been a lot of judgments and attacks, like you mentioned. And in, the, in your post, you said, even judgments and attacks from those who think they know support the further revelation of how one can become more loving and thus more godly. So I, I wanted to hear from you. How does that support that further revelation?
1: Well, we know where we're at. We have a clear gauge of where we at, are at in relationship to our embodiment of divinity by how we perceive and experience life and so if we experience attacks and responding kind that's a reflection of that still living within us mm-hmm. and it reveals to us a part of us that needs to die and surrender
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and dissolve into god into love you know, it's a calcification. It's a, it's a calcification of our separation, probably rooted in trauma or faulty belief that, that also grows from trauma, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, Jesus said it best, you know, to, to love those who persecute us, to, to forgive them, right? To like, mm-hmm. to pray for them. Don't respond in kind. That's what that commandment, that, you know, wisdom, like deepest wisdom right there. That's it. That's the whole of it. If you can love your enemies, like truly love your enemies,
2: Mm.
1: like people that are perceived as enemies Mm. and and not respond in kind, not have a, a reaction from that place of separation, but say, oh, he is me too. Yeah. She is me too love them Mm -hmm. and so when if that comes to us hate and and anything that that feels doesn't feel good doesn't feel good to the human it's really a call deeper into the soul deeper into our our union with god Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like that's the revelation it's like oh there's still this part of me that's triggered there's still a part of me that feels like i have to defend there's a part of me that feels like i have to respond in 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 a way that's less than godly Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's a part of me that I need to see and take responsibility for yeah
2: so absolutely.
1: that when that does come back it's just like only love it's only love and so yeah mm-hmm. we know we where we're at um on the scale of consciousness uh by how we experience life and if we're experiencing life in our heart at all times and loving all all life then we're getting closer yeah yeah
0: oh, good so i think when we're not in our hearts and we're in our minds, um, we do this last. This last mention from this post is putting God in a box. And you, you posted one cannot put God in a box. Yet as humans, we try and we try because of our own ignorance, and narrow-minded, <laughs> unhealed traumas, and programmed beliefs. I think it's a big portion of the unhealed traumas, especially that would have us think anyone one relig- religion has exclusive rights to God or favors from God. So I'm curious because so many people, part of putting God in a box keeps their soul safe because there's this heaven and hell narrative. And it feels like taking God out of that box can feel really scary or threatening. Um, I know, especially like for my, my, um, my parents, it feels like threatening to their soul's eternal future, Based on what they've been taught about heaven and hell, so I'm not <laughs> sure if there's to, to there
1: yeah and, and and you know going back to like the council at Nicaea when they took out the apocryphal and really uh, made their choices of what was going to be in the the Bible mm-hmm. right what was going to be this is this Christianity's organizing right and and the powers that were
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you could argue are still you know holding on to control and power on the world stage
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know really set up a structure to keep people bound to like mm-hmm. their humanity and to like really separate God as something so far away. Like, so mm-hmm. we're miserable sinners who have to beg for salvation. Um, mm-hmm. And we, and we're not godly. We're sinful and and, and shameful and and just mm-hmm. the worst. And so it's like this really dark and unconscious perspective of life, perception of life deeply. That's like the ultimate, right? That's like the mm-hmm. satanic perspective in many ways is that, that, had the direct um, embodiment and revelation of God on earth through Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. Jesus, the Christ, I like to say, because he's one of many that have come throughout time that are always operating in different ways, you know, to different levels. But you can look at any religion I see around the world and it takes a Christ. And then you see a religion form around that Christ and the larger the religion, the more powerful and, and, um, embodied the Christ because I believe that even after we're fully God realized that evolution continues it doesn't just stop it's not static Mm -hmm. God is perfection unfolding right Mm -hmm. and so you have someone like Yeshua who's beyond beyond human comprehension Mm. you know and 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 so you know the unconscious satanic contracting force of matter getting its you know moving around spirit to imprison it and so that direct revelation is contained to mm-hmm. some degree yeah. to keep the vibe below in a sense, they maintain control yeah. over the earth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I see that, uh, you know, organized religion ultimately, uh, you see it becoming a box, you know, they put people in a box. It's like, yeah. you know, with the original sin with the immaculate conception, the idea that, you know, uh, Mary and Joseph didn't have sex to <laughs> conceive jesus it's it's maddening it's madness and so they even separated oh like this is a divine birth and so that means every other birth is maculated and degraded and Mm -hmm. and less than divine Mm
2: -hmm. less than
1: divine and so that's also the removal of the divine feminine right the removal Mm -hmm. of our connection to the earth yeah you know and so it's like it has to be that balance of masculine and feminine of yin and yang of of earth and heaven it's all one Mm -hmm. But when you remove one and you have a distorted, overexpressed, unconscious masculine in control, then you have organized religion. Yeah. But everybody, every soul, it also serves as a filter. Mm -hmm. The deeper you go into your own gnosis, then you shed religion. Like you, you shed the garment of religion unless you're called to, you know, bring... You know, healing and expansion to it to serve as a more pure conduit for people to evolve, for souls to evolve towards God.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Oh, I I have such a I feel that savior complex coming up because, um, I I want to help heal that so so strongly, and I know that the patriarchal traditions are trying to trying to label what's going <clears> on. <throat> You know, but then I see that I'm being patriarchal there. And if I can step into my divine feminine and accept what is, that's when the healing will come because it'll it'll come through love and through my being. So I have my have my my path laid out for me in that. Yeah, Um, Yeah,
1: that's a beautiful awareness to have. And we all do. We all do. I see you in that. Yeah. Thank you for owning that. That's powerful.
0: Thank you. I know it's it's a a part of another initiation. so to transition into the father role, I wanted to um, bring up, you know, there's a scripture from the gospel of Thomas that, that you also shared recently. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Destroy you. So I want to talk about the role of the father, the archetype of the father, and also what it means to truly mm-hmm. bring forth what is within you in that role.
1: Hmm. yeah yeah i see it and experience the father you know within me within myself as as that masculine principle you know and we all have masculine and feminine within us Mm -hmm. but the high expression of the masculine principle is the father the solar logos right like the sun is a reflection of that like in matter right it's shining upon all life upon the just and the unjust the good and the bad shining upon us all
2: mm-hmm.
1: unconditionally you know and so that's the father archetype represent our representation in nature of what mm. the father is pure yeah just pure love you know and we have the representation you know of the earth as as mother just life-giving nourishing
2: mm. our home
1: to to rest to grow to evolve in unconditionally giving be
2: wild yeah yeah
1: to be wild to be free to be connected to nature connected to like our, our our life like our very life that's what being connected to nature and being in touch with our wild is to me you know and so you know the father archetype is simply the collective energy of that of like the father the solar logos of the masculine principle. You know, and it's high expression, we have we have the examples of what that is. And so taking that on to what that means as a human, as a man. You know, what does the father mean? Regardless of whether you have your own biological, physical children or not. Mm -hmm. Everyone, every Mm -hmm. all children are our children. At the highest level, all children are our children when we're loving Mm -hmm. from the father.
2: Yeah, that's so
1: important. You know, and so there is a distinction, of course, our own our own children, we are personally karmically responsible for them. You know, but our fathering, uh, our parenting, our mothering uh, has to extend. You know, uh, in its in its truest, most pure expression, extends to all life. To our relationship with with animals, to our relationship with the earth and natural world, and our and our community, our families, our extended families. We're all family. Yeah. We really are just one big family at the at the depths of it. Yeah. You know, but it really takes. Uh, An honoring of of that divinity within us to be able to hold that in a good way, yeah. You know, and and we, I, I believe that all all humans, you know, myself included, like you know, oscillate, you know, to our connection to our heart to God. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I I think of Kyle Kingsbury, and I'm sure that this example would ring true in your own life. Um, I just haven't experienced it personally, but Kyle. Oh, man, if everyone had a father like Kyle, like mm-hmm. how different the world w- would be. And uh, he's him being in my life has helped heal my relationship with the masculine and 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 with my own father. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: not because of his um, relationship with me, but his relationship with my children. And so much so that my children asked if they could call him daddy, like instead of uncle. Like that's how how accept that he makes them feel and um i know that my children mm. i know it's beautiful
1: <laughs> i'm feeling that and just yeah. feeling honoring kyle and, and the father archetype that he holds in such a beautiful way yeah. you know that your children would would ask that yeah and
0: mm. and he has the perfect partner that holds the mother archetype so well as well. It's it's a beautiful sacred union.
1: Yeah, I love them so much.
0: Yeah. I saw in my um I saw in a ceremony once because so much of my um my mother uh wound with myself was um and I say this without judgment to their father because he's on his own path, but forgiving myself for who I chose as their father. Mm. I felt like I chose my father as their father. And that was something like one of the hardest things I had to forgive myself for. But I saw that I'm raising curse breakers and that my children chose me as their mother and specifically chose him as their father because it's how together we break the curses. Had they chosen someone else, that not, not as much work would have been done. Yes. Um, and I'm teaching them at an early age what that magic is, um, it's it's you know, and they're so um, <laughs> they're already so curious about it. But the the way also that those curses are broken is because there are Kyles who carry that father archetype. Yeah. Um, so it's so so. I think that that is one of the most healing forces on the planet is that archetype. Um, yeah, because also there, our children get to choose who they're going to be. You know, they have the options. One thing I grieved also is that there were no
2: mm.
0: Mama Gina's or Kyles when I was a kid. There, there just weren't. There were no high priestesses when I was a kid, um, and so it's, it's such such an important <laughs> calling. And and um, I'm sure you and and your wife carry it as well. I, your wife, you just look at her and you just see priestess. So. Yeah. Um, so mm. I know that there, there must've been a huge impact and you you spoke on it of having an absent father, just on your, your sense of being a masculine, being yourself. Um, and your father was absent physically and um, in, in always he was absent, but I know there are also a lot of fathers who are just absent emotionally. Um, the yeah. way they spend time with their kids is just through, Yeah. Screens or checking out or um that's become like social media that that's the shadow side of the screens and the social media. So
2: yeah.
0: Um yeah, I'm not sure if if there's anything you can speak to there about um fathers truly showing up. Um and, and uh maybe maybe how to cause that because I think um something about men that's different about women is like we can be in a bunch of boxes at once and men tend to have like one box at a time. And um, me, like, I, I don't know how to articulate that, but like men, what I've seen is like, they can often be in work mode and then they have to be in the nothing box for a little bit before they can transition. Um,
1: Something to be said about that for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure if there's any, any threads you can pull on there. Um, <clears throat> the presence of a father <clears throat> uh, and maybe, what maybe if if we hear something yeah. about what that did for you or the difference it would have made for you maybe it'll feel oh, like a call
1: yeah. yeah you know if the the masculine is order and the feminine is chaos then the perfect balance mm-hmm. of that is is life supporting it is supportive of our thriving like just the right balance of both is the perfect uh, but with the absence of Order and that rootedness Mm -hmm. that the father provides the presence, Mm -hmm. the stability, the trust in life, the trust in the father, the great father. Because at the highest, we are here to embody that for our children of what God is Mm -hmm. in the masculine expression. And that is order, that is stability, that is groundedness, that is safety, that is protection, right? At the highest level of our embodiment, we are here to carry that pillar to Mm -hmm. be that pillar in our family that it's this organizing principle and where the feminine they bring in the chaos which is to bring in more life and spontaneity and flow and and freedom and 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 yeah and and, uh the sweetness and beauty of life Mm -hmm. comes from that chaos yeah you know it comes and and Chaos gets a bad rap because I we am. see it. You know, we see it in its. Uh, you know, we see it without the balance of the Father, the order, mm-hmm. the principle of order. Because that's that's why there's this feeling of like God has left us, the absent Father, right? Oh. That God's okay. been gone. We had to, you know, hopefully earn Him to come back. He left us because we were miserable sinners and we're unworthy of God because we crucified Him yeah. time and time again with not only you know within Yeshua. But also within ourselves, we crucify yeah. God again and again, right? And mm-hmm. so, to to embody the Father within our household, within our family, within our community, that's our our greatest gift that we can we can ever hope to to become as men, you know, yeah. to be really stewards of the sacred, to really be that principle of order, to bring everything into to right relationship, to bring integrity to everything, you know, to and and you know, for the feminine to step into their highest expression, for us to do it together. And we grow together. We learn together. We inform each other of where we're not being God. Mm -hmm. And Devana informs me of when I'm not being father, when I'm not Mm -hmm. honoring really my responsibility as a father in whatever way, sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's very direct and overt, you know, where I'm not present, not Mm -hmm. grounded in the moment, to, to be able to hold and love and, and, and guide my sons yeah you know and then there's times mm-hmm. where i'm a great dad and a great father and i'm present and i'm here and they feel that safety and trust and they're just blossoming and free you know mm-hmm. and so that's the dance that's the dance and not, not having a father there for a lot of my 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 adolescence you know he was there from zero to five you know while we were living in taiwan and we moved my mother and father separated when i was five and in their separation, we moved to California, Southern California to live with my grandfather, my dad's dad. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad was in and out, would would visit during the summer. So he was like the Disneyland summer dad up until I was 11 or 12. And mm-hmm. then my mother and father had another falling out. And this was like the end. And he basically disappeared for like uh, 12 years, 13 years around there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but having that absent father and that like abandonment wound of like this. I love my dad so much. Right. I just love my dad. I think every child does love dad and mom and upholds them as like gods. Yeah. Way, right. And so I love my dad so much. And what he reflected to me not being able to meet me emotionally and love me from a place where I could feel
2: mm. it
1: shut me down. And like, I was like, Oh, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I'm the bad one. I'm the wrong one. Yeah. Dad doesn't love me no awareness that he can't love me because he's blocked off from his love because yeah. he was wounded as a boy and he did his best. He did his best. He loved me in the way that he could. And from his standpoint at the time, I'm sure it was like, I, I showed up as best I could, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that. And we have a good relationship now, um, but it took work. It took yeah. work. It, t- it took a lot of you know, really hard, just holding my own as a man, like, I don't need you to dad me or father me anymore. And you have like, no right to, because mm-hmm. you were not the example and embodiment of what a father is.
0: Yeah. I can feel that when you brought up that your partner um, points out to you uh, where to maybe raise the bar
2: mm-hmm. in the moment.
0: Yeah. I can feel that you you trust her to do that. And yeah. that means so much. And it was healing for me to even just experience that energetically when you were speaking about it, because um, not many relationships have that. Um, the, the ego can get in the way or they can feel like they're being nagged. Or oh, okay, I'm not a good father and or I'm not a good mother. Instead of like, oh, what a gift, what a gift to have another set of eyes hmm. that can point out to yeah. me where I'm not at my, at my potential, you know, and yeah. um, I, I've i witnessed that with Kyle and Tasha as well. And every time Tasha points out to Kyle, something, I see him, like I see him take a breath and I see like, he thinks, thanks pal, you know, and, and it's, it's so, um, it's just so healing to witness. So I'm, I yeah. saw, and I honor the trust that you give your partner and the gift that you see in that and I want to thank you for that Mm, and I also you you know I wonder there's I can't remember I I might be switching it but there's there's this um thought in psychology where like our relationship with our father dictates how we view the world and our relationship with our mother dictates how we view ourselves Mm. my head backwards but I'm wondering if our relationship with our father also dictates how we view God. Like if our father wasn't present, then we think we can only reach God in certain ways. If mm-hmm. we weren't good enough, we think we have to beg for forgiveness for our sins. And our relationship with our mother dictates our relationship with spirit. So like our connection to <clears throat> connection to the Holy Spirit. Um, that's just a thought. I don't I don't know if there's any.
1: I could see like how we might, you know, it, there might be some truth to that. I, I really don't know. Yeah, uh, from my direct experience and, and, and personal belief from my experience. uh, I believe we can experience God in, in any form, it could be come, yeah. it can come from nature, it can become from yeah. man, it can come from woman. Um. But yeah, just like the fact that, you know, we are made of masculine and feminine polarity, mm-hmm. you know, at the core, we are energy beings, we are souls, right? And there's a masculine and feminine part of us, you know, to complete yeah. the whole, the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. And so, Uh, you know, having this externalized representation as mother, father, God, Mm -hmm. right? As as spirit and matter, like at the highest form, you know, the feminine tends that realm and the masculine tends this realm and that beautiful balance of both.
0: Yeah, that makes me wonder about like, so the merging of the masculine and feminine of naturally, I also think of sex. I think of- that type of union and honestly what i want to experience in sex is god like i will i
1: want that's to be the high, a, that's the high god. form of sex is right is but being god
0: it, it feels like in my experience and i've even heard a lot of people in the spiritual community as of late <clears throat> um say that uh you know they're renouncing kundalini because it's not of god and i don't know if that's the serpent thought of it or what that is but to me that is the highest form of spirituality is when we bring our sex into it and it's the highest form of sexuality when we bring our spirituality to it and like i'm curious if you have thoughts there because that is kundalini is the merging of the masculine and the feminine the parasympathetic and then right so like there's different
1: there's different definitions and perspectives on on what kundalini is Mm -hmm. you know in in some esoteric traditions kundalini is uh, a storehouse of our energetic potential commu- uh, accumulated from past lives. Our, 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 our soul stream over lifetime after lifetime cultivates this kundalini energy uh, from our own gnosis with God, the level of gnosis, the degree of gnosis. And so that scripture speaks to like, you can't take anything with you, you know, none of your riches, none of it, right? Mm-hmm. But the treasures you lay up in heaven are for you. And so don't live for this world. It's, you know, saying don't live for the the things of this world, but live for the things of the spirit. And what that is, is Kundalini. Yeah, You know, that that's the store, our storehouse and treasure uh, in heaven. Our treasures Mm -hmm. in heaven is our accumulated godliness from lifetime to lifetime that Mm -hmm. we're cultivating over life. and, And at a certain point when we're ready to become fully realized and, and, you know, move into deep, deeper states of Nirvana, like Nirvana as a consistent Union with God—that's what Nirvana is—is absolute union of with God and dissolution of separateness, dissolution of the separate self, the I of ego. Mm -hmm. And so, in in that Nirvanic state, the Kundalini energy that we've accumulated from all our lifetimes is now channeled, that we may merge with God Mm -hmm. and like deepen into that mergence, so that we're dying to our humanity and simultaneously being birthed as God and realized as God. You know, and that happens in human form, like Yogananda. There's different teachers that have come from throughout time that were at a very, you know, evolved state of their soul right there. And you can see like an energy culminating around these ones who are at that level of Christ Christ consciousness, where they're, they're Christed. They're becoming Christed beings, but they're at that like end stage now. And so that kundalini is to support that. And so, you know, it's it comes back to our perception, right, and, and our level of experience and gnosis with it. To renounce Kundalini, that renunciation's coming from mind, it's coming from belief, it's coming from the mind, you know, conceptualization. It's not coming from gnosis. Hmm. Why would you reject your treasure that you've been storing over lifetime after lifetime?
0: I wonder if there's something to do with the serpent energy being like
1: a projection of like, oh, the serpent being the e you know, that that yeah. serpent, like that. You, you mean that
0: And also like, is there a fear of their own power, like what they may do with it, if they realize they're, you know what I mean?
1: I do. Uh, but I believe that that fear can only be born of separation, born from the ego. And so if there's any fear, that means you're ex- that individual is experiencing life through the, the, the prison of ego. Yeah. That there's mm-hmm. any fear at all. Fear yeah. is a, a lack of faith and surrender to God. That's all mm. fear is because once we're surrendered to God and we have, and we have absolute faith and trust in all that's unfolding, it might be challenging. It might be humbling, but there's no fear through it. There's pain. There's dying, mm. but that dying is so that we can become more.
0: Newborn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes maybe the fear gets, um, it's not fear. It's discernment is like what maybe like could be used here too. Sure. Um, but i firmly believe that jesus and mary magdalene did um couldn't yeah
1: oh they, they were they were becoming god and becoming more god and bringing more god to earth
2: mm-hmm. when they had sex yeah
1: and to call it sex almost feels like uh, it's like so they're being god like that yeah. was their ceremony that was their sex as they would just be god like they yeah. would be even more god and, expand. and i believe
0: that we have that capability
1: we do that, completely, one hundred percent.
0: and i I consider myself a Magdalene. She was the first guide that came to me, and so it almost feels like um, that is the only way I can do it. I'm not against the quickie or the you know all of sure. that other stuff but like this has to be a part of my life. Um,
1: completely. it's It's what we are. It's where we come from. yeah, it's it's yeah. like the highest magic,
0: yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I know we're running out of time. Um, no, we're
1: not running out of time.
0: Well, <laughs> well the time that I have to pick up my kids from school is almost here. <laughs> the
1: human, honor <I'm> the human.
0: <laughs> um, I want to really quickly just cover the term sober masculinity with you. Um, sure. Just maybe what that is, because I, I I think you're the only person I've heard use that term. And then, um, I have one relationship question and then lightning round, and then we can
1: call it okay, um <clears throat> yeah, sober masculinity uh you know it w- I was having a conversation with Luke story, you know, and he just had his twenty five years sober, yeah you know, and we we share a lot of similarities in our path uh to revelation, you know, going through the dark night of the soul through addiction mm. um, and we were speaking about the twelve steps and just like what sobriety really is and and that's to be uh. A clear of mind and clear of feeling, right mm. like just you know we we attach sobriety to mean like free from substances or addiction to substances, but at at the highest level, sobriety is really just being clear, mm. just being yeah. clear, and so sober masculinity that was a term uh Ruby Warrington in her podcast uh sober curious she she, that was the name of it. I didn't, I didn't come up with that. So like, oh, that was wow. the first time I heard that as well. So she mm-hmm. I got to give her credit to, to, for pointing that. Um, but it makes sense. It's like to be clear mind and clear feeling. Mm.
2: Like
1: that's that's sobriety, you know, and so when we can embody that uh, and, and meet life from that clarity,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then we can really make a beautiful impact.
0: Yeah, yeah. beautiful. I've been really working on being um emotionally sober so that yes. I can be responsive and not reactive and so that mm. when I'm not emotionally sober I'm either attacking or I'm self-abandoning. Mm. So if I can be emotionally sober, I can be responsive and sovereign. Mm. So that's something that I'm working on.
1: Love
0: so it. Yes. Um okay, so <clears as> at <throat> the event that we I've been around you a lot actually but we've never actually met um well yeah. uh the event where we met the queen of Congo, which I covered in last week's episode, um, 3% Congo lease, And um, I've always, I have uh, Africa tattooed on my foot. I've always had such a, a pull towards their culture. Um, mm. There was like a funny little um, week that led up to meeting her, but that's so anyhow, that's where I met you. And when you spoke, uh, when we all had chan- a chance to say something, You acknowledged your wife publicly to the group for giving birth to your child naturally with just you two at home. And also about the pain of not being able to trace back her ancestry as far as a white person could because of how slavery causes a block and how far back ancestry can be traced. Um, And I feel feel so much pain in that. Um, I also saw in that moment, your wife look at you and smile with so much gratitude. And I loved seeing you through that lens, through her lens, because I felt how seen and appreciated she felt by you. Um, and in the moment that like you could have just spoke about yourself, you honored her. Um, and I know uh, you po- you've you posted about the three essential qualities in a sacred romantic partnership. It was honesty, acceptance, and compassion. Um, something else that I love that you posted is that Uh, This whole uh, podcast sounds like I stalk you on social media. (laughs) Um, You did your research. I did did my research. Something else that I love that you posted is that um, love grows in mutual appreciation and diminishes Mm. when fear drives drives you to try to control. Mm. That sentence is so potent. Um, I'd love to hear you either speak on one of those or if there's anything else that you cultivate between the two of you that makes you both feel safe to be seen. And to make each other feel feel truly seen, um, so much so that there's that dynamic we spoke on earlier where she can point out something and you trust her intention that it's for your highest good. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> and that's really what you know sacred union is. Like it's coming together with God, with another, you know with our with our divine counterpart, mm. like that we're on this path together. To become more god together and to love each other through it mm. you know and it's so depending on where we're experiencing and perceiving from you know we can see the other as other or we can see the other as a reflection of self
2: mm. and how
1: deeply can we love this mirror for us how much can we honor their presence in our life and anything that comes from this synergy that gets created when we're with another the masculine feminine that energy is different with everybody but to be in a sacred union with someone where you know that love and connection to god is at the foundation of it and ever present to hold that this is my this is my my beloved my queen and she she loves me so deeply and i know that through and through because i feel it Mm. and so even if i'm in a moment of separation or, or egoic delusion you could say and she says something and there's a sting or there's a momentary like <laughs> resistance to it
2: mm-hmm. i have to
1: take a breath to go and then receive it from my heart and to be it's like humbling and so when the masculine feminine can humble you know to the god within each other then we really grow then god is guiding the relationship the union god's the guide god mm-hmm. wants to become more and express itself more through all life
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's our free will choice that allows that to happen so in that moment of like just knowing that this isn't about me. This is a, a Congo, a queen from Congo dropping. Mm-hmm. Mm, she was dropping so much magic, so much medicine, so much wisdom. Yeah. And my 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 beloved was deeply touched, you know, having been disconnected from her African ancestry. Mm-hmm. Here, here she is right here in embodied, embodied form right here.
2: Yeah.
1: And then so it really brought that up. And I that was the most important thing. When I saw that because of the way the room was and the energy flowed, it missed her because she was just in the moment and not able to say, Wow, I'm really having an experience here that I want to speak to. But I felt it in me, saw mm. it in her, just felt it. I was like, Oh wow, this needs to come back to Divana. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just there to play the redirect. <laughs> to honor, honor the queen, but also honor the queen.
0: Oh. <clears throat> I love that. There's so much I want to say, but um, I'll move to the lightning round since okay. yeah. <laughs> I to get my kids. So there's a few short questions that I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. Hmm. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say?
1: Everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. Hmm. It's gonna be okay. Hmm.
0: If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Hmm.
1: The whole world, maybe the four agreements. Oh, that's good. The four agreements. But if it was the people that are on the path, it would be uh, Initiation by Elizabeth H. And I kind of cheated there mentioning two titles. But uh, well, for those who are on the path, uh, Initiation by Elizabeth H. For I
0: sure. that one. Wow. Okay. I'm excited. It's very rarely a book I haven't heard of. So I'm super stoked to get that one. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be?
1: You are so loved. You're loved beyond words, beyond your wildest imagination. You're loved. Trust in that love that wishes to flow into you and, and grow you. It's in your heart.
0: Thank you. How can people connect with you, work with you, get involved in Sacred Sons? Yeah,
1: Sacred Sons. That's the way. Uh, and and also my IG is uh, Albert Bastia, my full name, and, and Sacred Sons is Sacred Sons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, both both the channels, right in, right in.
0: Yeah, and um, for those listening, I know you guys do um, like retreat meetups. Do you guys have like a weekly virtual meetup, or can men join it as a men's group?
1: We have an online community. Yeah, we have a, a thriving online community. We're going to be moving platforms soon, uh, but it's like yeah, we we have like daily councils classes for the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, uh, for all levels of of growth, expansion, healing, and abundance. So, uh, yeah, and we and we have so many gatherings on the on our bench calendar. So just uh, visit sacred mm-hmm. and and check out the calendar. You'll see all the things in all the areas and all places are going to be in Maui. We're going to be or we're, we're right now we're literally in Arizona. There's a sixty man, seventy man gathering wow. uh, happening right now as we're doing this. So it, it's it's happening.
0: Yeah. I love, there's a video of one of y'all's meetups that I love so much. I'm going to um, try to weave it into the promo Beautiful. for this episode. Beautiful. Um, thank you so much for your time. I, I just want to thank you for the healing masculine that you are, but also how you honor the divine feminine. Um, I don't feel that mm-hmm. those two things can be separate and, and you really, really, Embody that, and it's extremely healing. And Hmm. also, just for the work you've done with Sacred Sons, as I said before, there's been so many men who that was actually how they were introduced to healing. So it's it's rippling not just to them, as you know, but to the generations before them and the generations after. So it's big, big work. And I'm so so thankful that you answered the call. Thank you.
1: God's plan. God's plan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, you, sister. Thank you so much.
0: Mm, my gosh, you guys, I don't know. I I don't even know how to uh <laughs> how to say I feel about this one because I loved it so much. Um I know I may have said this on other episodes, but this feels like one of my favorites. Um not just of this podcast, but of my previous podcast. This felt uh, it felt so resonant. It felt like as Megan Watterson would say, the, the Christianity we haven't tried yet. It, um, felt so expansive for me and so healing. And as you guys um, know, who listened to last week's episode, I'm on a path of healing my own religious and patriarchal woundings. And it is through conversating with men like him that, uh, it's like, it literally feels like honey to the wound. Uh, so I'm just so thankful. And I hope that I hope that it was healing for you as well. I would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave a review or send me a DM. Uh, post this to your story and maybe comment. Do whatever you want, however you would like to share it. But it would mean so much to me if you would. Uh, we have our affiliates, Pleasure Wands and Yoni Eggs. Um, my Pleasure Wand and my Yoni Egg is both from wands.com, W-A-A-N. DS, I speak my intentions into them and then I insert them into my yoni. And it is, it's amazing. I I don't know. Um, You just have to experience it for yourself. Code Jade for a discount. All things CBD at directhemp.com. A better way to CBD code Jade for a discount there as well. And then of course, higher dose infrared products. They have all things infrared. My favorite is the bioenergy mat. It's just very, very grounding for me, but I also love the infrared face mask code Jade 75 for $75 off any of their products. Thank you so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much if you would leave a review or share an episode with your friend. If someone crossed your mind while you were listening to this, that is probably you being told to send it to them. So send it. You can also join me on Instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast. As always be a light, stay open and remember you belong here.